Well, it's interesting. Probably most of y'all in here have been on a thing called Facebook. Is that right? Yeah. You know, Facebook has never enabled anybody or any person that was lame to walk. But it has enabled a lot of dumb to speak. <laughs> Did you get that, Warren? Did you? A lot of people have never heard, believe it or not, the greatest story that's ever been told. And that story, believe it or not, is the story of the gospel. People have heard parts of it. But when you understand the real story, it's the best news in all the world. When I heard it, I just could not keep it to myself. I wanted to tell everybody. I thought everybody was out there just waiting on me to tell them. I found out they weren't. And so there is a, um, a song in the songbook, and it's called, I Love to Tell the Story. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my lungs as nothing else can do. And then it repeats it. I love to tell the story. He said, "'Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love." That's a wonderful, wonderful song. It is the greatest story that's ever been told. The story of how that God so loved the world but in the process of people wanting to tell the story, people don't tell the whole story. They don't tell the truth of the story. So it kind of gets messed up. When kids come to college, students, we want to teach them what it is and what it is not. To explain to them what it means to be saved by grace not by your works. See, the majority of people believe that you have to be good to go to heaven. And nobody's going to make it except me and George Washington. <laughs> well, he never told a lie, but I don't know if I believe that or not. No, there's no one that can earn their salvation. You can't earn your way to heaven. You'll never be good enough. But I was under the impression that if I was good, I'd go to heaven. And if I was bad, well, I'd go to the other place. And a lot of people have heard that. Because, see, I wasn't raised in church. I was um, raised way back in the woods. We, we lived so far back in the woods, you had to pipe in the sunlight. <laughs> and you talk about poor, we couldn't even pay attention. I mean, it was, it was bad. My daddy was a bootlegger. You say, well, what, what is that? Well, he sold corn. <laughs> In, in jugs. I used to say my mom and dad was in the iron and steel business. My mother ironed. But anyway, <laughs> when you consider where I came from, inwardly I wondered if there was a true and living God. But as I know of, no one ever told me. 
I'd never heard the story. I'd never heard my dad tell me that he loved me. I never heard my mama say those words. When I was born, my daddy says I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. He had never seen Dr. Gilbert. <laughs> but he was going to put me in a burlap sack and put me in a river and drown me. And that's the truth. Raise my right hand. I wouldn't lie to you for anything in the world. But the doctor came to the house and looked at me and looked at my daddy and said, my, 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 looks just like his daddy, don't he? <laughs> so my daddy cussed. He called me a blankety-blank Yankee. And that's how I got my name Yankee. I got it before I ever got my real name. I'm still not even sure what that is. <laughs> Mama called me Yankee boy, and six months later they moved to Georgia, and I've been shot at from both sides for the last 82 years. But I found out when I was 18 years old that God loved me. Somebody shared the story with me. The most wonderful story of all. You know, there is a verse in the Bible. And that verse is found in John 6, 47. It's a wonderful verse. It's one that everybody needs to know and understand. And it says in verse 47 of John chapter 6, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. That's a good verse. It's a wonderful verse. It says, He that believeth on him hath, present tense, hath, right now, everlasting life. But you see, the story is not told in just believing him. What is the story that you're supposed to believe? If you know the story and you believe the story, the results of believing that story, you'll get everlasting life. See, some people want everlasting life, but they've never heard the story. They want to go to heaven, but they don't know how to get there. And a lot of people don't make it clear. And that's what I like to do. So many people teach that this verse is sufficient for a person to know that he's saved from hell and to know that he'll go to heaven without giving any other information. It in of itself is insufficient. So when he says, he that believeth on him hath everlasting life. It's like reading the last line of a song, last line of a, a chorus, and you haven't even read any of the verses in the song. You see, there's so much more that's important for a person to know. And believe it or not, to get a person well grounded in this, it takes about four or five years. <laughs> it took me four years at Bible college just so that I could understand the power of this story, so that I could tell it, and when I told it, people could understand it. Because who wants to speak for two hours like I'm going to do this morning, and then nobody understand what I said? <laughs> if I simply said these words, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, it needs explanation. Because it doesn't say who I is. And doesn't say who he, he is. It doesn't say that. Does it mention sin? Or that you can save yourself? Or cannot save yourself? It's not there. Does it mention heaven or hell? It's not in the verse. Does it mention the death, burial, and resurrection? It's not there. Does it state who he is? That's going to give this. Doesn't state that in that verse. Does it state if everlasting life is referring to living forever? 
heaven or living forever in hell? What if a person doesn't want to live forever? He that believes in me hath everlasting. You get to live forever. But I've actually talked to people who don't want to live forever. They just want to die and get out of it, and that's all there is to it. I asked a man one day, I says, where do you go when you die? He says, Tennessee. <laughs> I thought, he don't understand my question. <laughs> Does it mention the payment for our sins? He that believeth in me hath everlasting. It doesn't mention about that. Does it mention anything about receiving forgiveness of sins or the payment for sin? Does it mention what happens if the person fails to believe it? No. Does it mention what it means to believe or state what to believe? It doesn't say that either. You see, it's a wonderful verse, but in of itself it's incomplete. You see, he that believeth on him, there is a story to hear, a story to know. And yet that one phrase is re-mentioned many, many times throughout the Gospel of John. And in many cases, it will add additional information. For example, let me give this to you. Verses that say the same thing, but in other words. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody? In other words. And in other words. Sometimes I think, well, just tell me what the words are and let me figure it out. In other words, and yet... Over and over again, Jesus made a statement. And then he said, in other words, in other words, in other words, in other words. Because you see, if there's anything he wants us to know, he wants us to get it. So he says the same thing in other words. Some of those words, listen to it. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, he says this. But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Receiving him, believing on his name, same thing. He that believeth on him hath everlasting life. Same thing as this verse. But here he says it differently. Because he said he came unto his own, his own received and not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. You see, it's a great verse, but you need to explain that verse. The problem with a lot of people is they don't have explanation. How to explain the Bible. If you didn't have to learn those things, you wouldn't have to go study the Bible. The greatest thing I've ever made in my life after I trusted Christ as my Savior was I went to Bible college for four years when I was 22 years old with a wife and two kids. I averaged two and a half hours of sleep a night for the first two years. I died several times. <laughs> well, at least I thought I did. But I got an investment into the Word of God. So that the last 59 years, I can tell people the greatest story in all the world. You want to not only know the story... You want to not only just hear it, but understand it and be able to communicate that wonderful story. He makes a statement, John chapter 1 and verse 29. He said that John the Baptist, when he saw him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What was he saying? Didn't that need explanation? Jesus is the Lamb of God. What do you mean? Well, it means he's going to be the sacrifice 
to take away the sins of the world. So you can explain a few verses and all. Yeah, I see that. I get that. So Jesus Christ came into the world. He was the lamb. Spotless lamb. It means he had done no wrong. He didn't have to die. And yet he died so that he could take our sins away. So that you and I won't have to pay for our sins. Has anybody in here ever committed a sin? Don't raise your hand. Raise your arm, you'll lose your charm. But everybody sins. And because we all sin, we're all condemned. So we needed someone to die on that cross to pay for our sins. But the verse needs explanation. But he's saying the same thing. Because if he died and takes away my sins, then I have no sins to pay for. See, the only way you can know you're going to heaven is that you know you can't go to hell. And I can't go to hell. You say, how come? Because I'm so good. No. It's because Christ died for my sins. He paid my sins. So I don't have any sins to pay for. And now the reason that I can't go to hell in the future, well, he paid for those too. And all he wanted me to do is to believe he did that for me. In John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said, you must be born again, or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, he says, you must be born again, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you can't see it, you can't enter it, unless you're born again. Do you think <coughs> there's a possibility you might have to explain that? Did you know that there was a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he didn't get it? He says, you mean I got to get back into my mother's womb and be born again? Duh. And a lot of people don't understand. But Jesus went over it and over it and over it and over again. Because some people are hard-headed and stiff-necked. And you can't tell some people things. But maybe if I say this, they'll, they'll see it. Or if I say it this way, they'll get it. So we try to learn as many ways as possible to tell the greatest story in all the world. You can have eternal life. You can go to heaven when you die. But you got to understand what Christ did so that you can believe what he said. Because what he said is based upon what he did. He can't give me eternal life till he does something for me. He had to pay for my sins. He just doesn't forgive me of all my sins. He had to pay for my sins so that he could forgive me of all my sins. Another verse. He says in John chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 15. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Exactly the same as the other verse. But here he added in something else. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's not found in John 6, 47. It is here. So there's a consequence of not trusting Christ as Savior. But you need to explain. So you need to understand a complete story. And I'm going to give it to you in just a little bit. You know where this is headed, don't you? So the most important thing college kids can ever learn is the simplicity of the story. Because when you understand it, you'll be able for the rest of your life, be able to listen to any person on radio or television, any church. Say, he's not clear. He's not right. That isn't true. That's false. And you'll gain discernment because I see it. I see what he's saying. See, many people cannot believe that God 
would take upon flesh, come into this world to make a payment for our sins so that he could give us as a free gift eternal life, and we don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. But with most people, don't they believe you have to deserve it in some way? You've got to be good, just in case. No, I don't have to be good. I know I do not have to go to church to go to heaven. No, I do not have to give money to go to heaven. I don't have to change my life to go to heaven. I didn't have to change any of my bad habits to go to heaven. See, most people can't understand this. They don't know what the word free means. They don't understand what the word grace means. Grace means not of works. Grace means that it's free. And that's some mighty good news. And then he makes this statement in John 3, 16. You've probably never heard this verse. He says exactly the same thing as he did in John 6, 47. But he added a few more things in it. He says, God so loved the world. See, that other verse didn't say that. This verse says it. He gave his only begotten son. That other verse didn't say that, but this verse says it. So is it important for a person to know that God so loved the world? Gave his only begotten son? How did he give his son? As a payment for our sins. We talk about at this time of year, the greatest time, Christ was born. Because the Bible says that a body hast thou prepared me. And that little baby in that crib, that little baby had a body that had no sinful nature. Jesus didn't sin. He's not like you and I. And he lived his whole life and never did one thing wrong. Because if he did, he'd have to pay for the sin. He did. And the wages of sin is death. And he didn't sin, so he didn't have to die. So we celebrate the babe in the manger, but reject the man on the cross. That baby grew up, and Jesus died on that cross. That's to show how much he loves you. We talk about it, Christmas, the gift of God. And everybody likes to get gifts. But the greatest gift of all was the one that God gave. And many people reject the greatest gift. This is the most important story anybody will ever hear in their whole life. There is no story greater than this story. He makes a statement. In John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. There it is again. But now notice. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. So you see, you say, I don't want to live forever. <clears throat> but do you know the consequences of rejecting Jesus Christ? You will live forever. It just depends on where you're going to be. Remember, the most important thing is everybody tells you, location, location, location. <laughs> you ought to see my location. You ought to see my inheritance. You don't have to be rich out here. You ought to see me. I got a mansion waiting on me. And God's going to give me a brand new body. You know, I'm glad to have lived as long as I have. Because if I hadn't, I would have been dead. <laughs> Get what he says. He said, the last part, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon him. He will be eternally separated from God in a literal fire-burning hell. Jesus Christ spoke more on hell than he spoke on heaven. Some people say, well, I believe in heaven. I just don't believe in hell. Well, you hypocrite. He spoke on both of them. And you get it out of the Bible. So that's why it's so important to know, what do you believe? 
What do you know? John 4, 14, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. And there was this woman there. And he says to her, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Now, that's a true statement. But do you think that verse might need explanation? Nah, I think so. Might need to explain what that verse means. You drink this water, you never thirst again. You see, Jesus had a difficult time trying to get the people to believe in eternal security. Jesus was talking about once you believe it, you have eternal life. Once you believe it, you have eternal security. It's irrevocable. He'll never take it away from you. That's how you can know you're going to heaven because he'll never take it away. But he says this, But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here you are, you say, I believe it. Now, I'm going to have a well of water. Don't you think that might need a little explanation? Remember in chapter 7, he said, Then that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, as the Scripture hath said, He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. How would you like to have rivers of living water flowing out of your belly? Don't you think that he might have to explain that? Well, the very next part of the verse says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him would receive. You see, it's one thing to quote the Bible. It's another thing, do you really know the Bible? And you don't know the Bible until the Bible controls your life. You don't know God until you trust Christ as your Savior. If you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you do not know God. And you do not love God. Because He's a God you don't know. You can only know the true and living God through His Son. In John 5, 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that, get this, <coughs> several things He mentions here. Heareth my word, believeth on Him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Then he adds, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, there's a lot of things in that verse, but they were added so to make it a little bit clear. So you'll understand what I get if I do believe and what happens to me if I don't believe. In John 5, I see 529, he says, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil, resurrection of damnation. See there, those that have done good and those that have done bad. But John explains that in John chapter 3. The good is that you trusted Christ as Savior. The bad is that you rejected Christ as your Savior. It's easily explained. But if you don't know what the Bible says, and the Bible cannot contradict itself, it perfectly dovetails. And everything works in God's Word. And God means what He says. He also makes the statement in John chapter 6, verse 35. Get this. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. That's a good statement. I wonder what it means. He that cometh to me hath, shall never hunger. Don't you think that needs to be explained? It's the same thing as he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Here he's saying the same thing, but he's saying, if you come to me and you drink this water, You'll never thirst again. If you eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. It means you only have to do it one time. I've only been saved once. 
I'm almost 82 years old, but I've been saved one time. And I was 18 years old when that happened. <coughs> in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia. My father-in-law explained the gospel to me. And I believed it. And when I believed it, God saved me, gave me eternal life, and I became God's child. Forever. I never had to do it again. Because I've never thirsted again or hungered again. Because I can't lose salvation. You can't lose. And so Jesus wants us to understand what he did for us was to make it permanent. That whenever you accepted what he did for you, he gives you everlasting life. Then he says this in verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son. Oh, now you got to see the Son. you got to see it, and then you got to hear it. you got to believe on him that sent me. All these different ways, but he's saying the same thing. He said, you remember, he said, if you lift me up on the cross, and everyone who looks, will live. It says that in John chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15. As the serpent was placed upon the pole. Look and live. Jesus says the same thing. Look to me and you can have eternal life. You can live. So important. And then he says in verse 51 of John chapter 6. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I give him is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. See, he explains a little bit more and more. He says, I am eternal life. I am the true God, which came down from heaven. And he that eateth my flesh, and maybe if you were to eat some of his literal flesh, you'd have lived forever, or drink some of his blood, because he says, he that drinks my blood. Now, you think, we well, all should go in the world and here's some blood to drink. Uh, here's some meat to eat. You want to live forever. He said it. But it's an illustration of what he meant. When you come to Christ and you believe what he said, later on in that same chapter he says, my word is what I'm talking about. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Can you take God at his word? Can you believe him? So he says in verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. That's the same thing. It means you understand that he took in his body all the sins of the world. And then he gave his life because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And Leviticus 17, 11, And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sins. There's no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus Christ gave his life, died for you and I, came back again from the dead so that we can trust in a person who's alive today. Because no sense trusting somebody who's dead to do anything. So whenever you read that verse, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life, <clears throat> it needs explanation because it doesn't say a lot of things that we'd like to know. Because it didn't mention that you can't save yourself. It didn't mention heaven or hell. It doesn't mention death, burial, and resurrection. It doesn't state if everlasting life is referring to living forever in heaven or hell. And it doesn't mention about the payment for sin or the receiving forgiveness of sin. See, what in the world does it mean? I knew you was going to ask. I want to show you an illustration. 
that takes the gospel story and puts it together. And this is one of the reasons why we teach all the college kids how to do what we call the wallet illustration. The wallet illustration. Stephanie, have you ever seen that before? I showed it to her the first time she ever walked in my office because I was going to share with her some good news. You see, I didn't need to find out anything about her background. I didn't know, didn't care. I don't care about all the religions, all the bad she's done and the good she's done. I'm not interested. I got some good news. Now I'll say, let this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We have all sinned. And the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. Now look, when I'm telling this story, have I already told you what we've done? We've all sinned. See, I'm, I'm putting that in the story part because that's part of the story. You've got to know what's the problem. The problem is we have all sinned, and I've already mentioned there's a place called hell. And the Bible says that God loves us, but he hates our sin, separating them. And that the ways of sin being death, we're all condemned. That we're all in the same boat. We got a problem. And that God says to go to heaven. So I've already, I mentioned heaven. You've got to go to heaven. You've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. And there's the problem. We're not. So I told you about heaven. It's a perfect place. I told you about hell. I told you about you. God loves, but he hates your sin. And God says in his word, you cannot save yourself. It's not because of any good deed that you have ever done. So you cannot save yourself by your good works. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. And because he loves us, our sins separates us from him. So I've already told you that God so loved the world. I told you that Jesus Christ was God's son. And that Jesus Christ loved us, but our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, so I told you that Jesus didn't have any sin. That you would have to be perfect to go to heaven, and he's the only one. So he took all of our sins and paid for it on the cross. So I just told you that Jesus Christ died, paid for our sins on the cross, came back from the dead. So I've mentioned the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. See, the story is told when we explain the gospel the way we explain it. And if we put it all in there, it's easier for a person to understand because it's logical. It flows. God loves us. He hates our sin. The way we are, we're going to be separated from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And none of us are perfect. And we can't save ourselves. We're under the wrath of God. That's why we need a Savior. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And he took our sin, paid for it on the cross, because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He gave him to be the payment for our sins. Came back from the dead. And all he wanted you and me to do is to believe that he did it for us. So when you believe he did it for you, he puts this payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did. You see, it's all because of what he did. And because of what he did, he says, anyone who will believe 
on me that he did this hath everlasting life. So when you believe it, he puts this payment to your account. And God says, the gift of God is eternal life. And he that believeth on me hath eternal life. But there's a story you have to believe. And many people never believe the story. Because they're trying to earn their way to heaven by how good they are. The church can't save you. Church can't get you to heaven. You can give a million dollars. That'd be nice. But it won't get you to heaven. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is because you believe that what Christ did, he did it for you. And when you believe it, he gives you eternal life. So just think about it this way. That means that he loved you so much, he would rather die than live without you. He loved you that much. And he came back from the dead. And all he wanted you to do was believe he did it for you. If that's all he wanted you to do, can you handle that? Can you believe that? It's, it's the most awesome thing anybody has ever heard. Because if you believe it, look what happens to you. You cannot go to hell, shall not perish, never be condemned, have eternal life, go to heaven when you die, and you can live your whole life knowing that. That's why I feel like I've got something to tell. I love to tell the story. And I hope that you love to tell the story. I'm just thankful that every once in a while we'll get somebody like Stephanie that has trusted Christ as Savior and wants to learn how to tell the story. And yet you learn a lot of things in the Bible college. A lot of class, a lot of hours, a lot of dedication. A lot of afflictions and turmoil and tribulation. But she finished. She did what she set out to do. And there's many of God's children that know the story, but never tell the story. Wouldn't that be a shame for you and I to get to heaven and we never told anybody the greatest story in all the world? This is something that we can do. It's something that we ought to do. Every one of us. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, not yet. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. I am not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask for any money from you. We already took the plate up, didn't we? No. I'm not going to try to get anything from you. I don't want no commitment from you, from anything. All I want to know is, if what I said made sense to you, Will you this morning, will you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? I have. Stephanie has. But I don't know about you. It's a personal decision that everybody has to make. And he that believeth not is condemned already. And the wrath of God abides upon you. You just don't know when the hammer's going to fall. And then I'd like to have prayer for you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you've heard all about this stuff, but you've never personalized it for you, would you right now in the quietness of this moment say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I got questions, I got doubt, but I know I'm a sinner. 
And I believe that when you died, you died for me. And I understand that if I trust you right now as my Savior, you will give me eternal life as a free gift. And I can know that I'm going to heaven because you love me that much. Friend, if you're making that decision, with head bowed, nice clothes, and no one looking around, would you let me know just by very quickly, just slip your hand up, hand up and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all to say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior. And if you'll do that right now, God saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now. And when you get up to leave, you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. Anyone at all before we close? Just real quickly, just slip it up, put it right back down. If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, tell him the greatest story in all the world. It's the greatest thing you can ever do. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for your watch, care, your love, and all your provision. And we thank you, Father, for the college that you've given us, opportunities. And we thank you, Lord, especially for this day, because it's a special day for Stephanie. You've watched over and you've blessed her. And we thank you, Lord, that she knows you and loves you. And, Father, we want her testimony to be above reproach. From this day forward, that you'll use her in a great and mighty way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.